everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we got some uh, some things to get into this week, as always, but before we do, just wanted to give you a uh, another quarterly reminder to check us out on TikTok. We've got some great things going there, and uh, if you're for now following us on Twitter, please do so, at Talking Tigs. Uh, we're also on Tunes, Spotify, uh, everything else out there, really. Are we on YouTube yet? No, sure? not yet. We might we'll have to join that. the YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. We'll we'll be on YouTube soon, folks, so just stay tuned. Uh, but before we get into some uh, some juicy details, just want to check in with the co-hosts to see how you guys are doing, see, see how your Labor Day was, because I, I had a pretty good one, but what about you guys? Doing pretty good. Back on the podcast for another edition we're inching closer and closer to the start of the LSU season. So, you know, counting down the days. Uh, Labor Day and that past weekend was pretty good. We got to watch some college football. A, you know, some sort of game day happened, which was kind of cool. And, uh, you know, th- can't be the three-day weekend. Yeah, we had a good time. Like Tommy said, it was nice to see some college football. They said it couldn't happen. But even if it wasn't premier competition, uh, we had some teams competing, and that will only get better as the weeks go on. Got to go to the movies for the first time in 2020, so that was exciting. Yeah. I saw the new movie, saw the new movie Tenet, uh, Christopher Nolan movie. I'm a big fan. Uh, really enjoyed it. So it was nice to kind of get back in there uh, and see that. So things getting back to normal, just a smidge, I would say. Yeah, we were one of six in the movie theater. So, or two, the two of us. So other than me and Daniel, uh, there were four people there. To me, that's perfect, though. No, no distractions. Oh no, it was fine. Um, yeah. but it was kind of weird, but it yeah. was, I mean, it was uh, cool, to, cool movie and cool to get back in the, in the theater. Yeah, no, I'm dying to get back myself and definitely interested in tenant because I don't know, a lot of people said, uh, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a hefty price tag, but it's also, it's like, you know, you, you could stay with Chris Nolan after this or you might not. So, uh, I'm definitely intrigued in the movie. What, what did you guys Really, I know this isn't talk. It takes you late, but I'm curious. Uh, what did you think of the movie itself? Was it uh, you know kind of along his normal lines, or was it uh, was it different? I would say, yeah, it's pretty close to some of his earlier movies in that it's kind of a action packed thriller with a few kind of some mind bending twists that really makes you keep up along the way. And it's it is a bit challenging to keep up at times. Um, the action was very good and. Uh, John David Washington, the lead performance, I thought was really good. And uh, I definitely want to go back and watch it again uh, to kind of dissect it a little bit more. I wouldn't say it's in his kind of top level of movies, but definitely worth a watch. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought that, you know, like I think I put like Dark Knight as his best, maybe Inception next. Um, I did not like Interstellar at all, um, which like I think some people like that, but I just, I, I don't know, I just didn't like it. And so, like, I think this one was a lot better than Interstellar. Um, there are times where you get lost, and kind of, at least I did, where I was kind of like, I don't know what's going on. Like, and, and but other than that, like, I thought it was good, and um, actors were good. Chris Nolan always, you know, the stories are always kind of interesting, and and you can definitely tell like it's his movie because like they have that it has that feeling like just the way he shoots it and like the the um, the way all the people dress like it's very it, it, it has a look. And, uh, right. and it was, you know, you could tell it was that like some people were saying that this might be like, like people were speculating it was like an inception, like in the inception world or the inception, like sequel or something from the way it looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I kind of saw that too. Cause it was like, it looked a lot like that, but, um, overall I liked it a lot. Right on. No, I'm definitely going to watch it. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big Nolan fan ever since, uh, Memento, uh, but you know, plus with the way, uh, inception was that's why why i was kind of asking like if this kind of went along with those because dark knight you know all those movies can be their their own thing uh you know it's just his interpretation of the storyline but uh his movies um yeah like you said they're always just different they have their own kind of signature on them so i was just curious about that uh but to kind of bring it back into our world so you guys uh, in addition to this movie going experience you also watched uh, a few of the games that have already come out. So, so tell me what was that like? Cause to me, it's kind of got a feeling of like, you know, those early bowl season games where you're like, ah, I'm not really excited about this matchup, but 
hey, it's football and it's uh, it's getting me prepared for what's to come. So, so what do you guys think? I mean, I think that like the first game, Central Arkansas versus UAB. Watch that one. Um, I, I watched. I think we we watched part of that one. I don't remember the whole part, the whole game from that one. UAB Central Arkansas. Yeah. But first one I watched pretty much from the very beginning to end, South Alabama versus Southern Miss. Uh, that was a pretty good game. Uh, had a little bit of action on that one. USA pulled it out for us. Go Jags. Um, you know, so it, I mean, it was cool to see. Like, it was good. I think that was a good game. Like, it went pretty, pretty uh, you know, it's kind of back and forth a little bit. But um, then – I guess that what were the, some of the other games that we probably the the best game of the week was the SMU Texas State. Yeah, that was a good. They one. kind of traded some blows. The guy from Texas State had maybe the catch of the year already, pulled down a big old one handed catch in the end zone, so people lighten it up. And then the the Armed Forces schools it was a tale of two cities. Army blew out Middle Tennessee, and then yep. Navy got thumped last night by BYU at home. Uh, so BYU looking pretty strong against. Navy, but well, still. also keep in mind looking pretty strong against a Navy team that had not tackled or lined up eleven on eleven on a side of a ball against against eleven uh, the, this entire year because of concerns for practice. So they uh, were almost like playing blind. Yeah, that story kind of came out during and after the game that Navy hadn't even been tackling each other in practice, and you could tell because BYU was it plowing was, yeah, over line. BYU was totally imposing their will. <laughs> on the midshipman. So if there's a num- number one team after week one or week zero, whatever you want to call it, I'll probably say BYU, <laughs> but uh, looking forward to this next week when we have ACC action, uh, some real premier teams. Well, it's kind of disheartening to hear about the midshipman. Cause I remember, you know, I got, it must've been five pods ago, whatever it was where uh, I think the AD from, from Navy came out and said, well, we know there's going to be one game this year. It's when we play army. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's going to be great. Gridiron football. Uh, but to hear that they didn't even practice tackling it, that just doesn't make sense to me. Is that, so that's, that's a, that's a verified story, but why? I'm like, what do you think? Why? <laughs> I guess that's my only question. Why? <laughs> I guess, I guess they're, you know, concerned about, getting people coughing on each other or something. I don't know. Well, then just don't play. Cause when you yeah, get to I the know. game, you got to do it. I know. Who, who, who knows? It, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a well-established fact that has been said on this podcast numerous times that uh, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw out maybe 80%, 90% of these other regulations mm-hmm. and the, Oh, we're not going to do this because of medical concerns. They don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you actually really, really think critically about it, it's like, well, you're probably more likely if you're practicing with these people, even if you're not tackling each other, you're going to be in their area for like a lot. So a lot of the time. So you're kind of more likely or if, if they have it, even if you don't tackle them, you're probably going to get it. But then when you play in a real game, if there's somebody who has it and they don't yet know that. If you tackle them, then you're tackling them. So I don't know. It's, it's just stupid. But you know, it showed on the field they they couldn't they couldn't really do anything to stop BYU, and uh, you know, the Cougars uh, come out with a big win. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. But uh, yeah, you, you got to practice tackling, folks. It's a good good lesson learned. Uh, but going forward, so there's some more games coming up this weekend. Was there was there a particular one, Daniel, in the ACC that you uh, that you were referencing, or is it just you know like? ACC most likely going to be better competition. Uh, yeah, so ACC just kind of in general better competition, and the Big Twelve is getting underway also. So two of the three power three remaining conferences will be in action. The uh, College Game Day is kind of going to Clemson versus Wake Forest, uh, the primetime game Saturday night. Clemson will most likely blow them out, but it'll at least be good to see Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross back in the mix. Well, they're going right. They're gonna. They're they're just not gonna have fans, isn't that right? Yeah, I think like the college game day crew will be there, but like there's gonna be nobody behind the desk. Yeah. There's not. Oh wait, they're not gonna be behind the desk. No, I meant like the the fans. Won't oh, there's be. not gonna be people behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's just gonna be it's there. Gonna be a desk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but yeah. And then um, like I said, the Big Twelve is playing also, so you can see Oklahoma and Texas playing. They got a, a few cupcakes against each other, or not. They each have a cupcake to play, so they'll be blowing them out. 
but yeah, a lot of football. There's some, I'm just looking at the schedule now, about 20 games on the slate for Saturday. So uh, you can kick back in your recliner and enjoy some football. Let me tell you, that's a sight for sore eyes. Um, you know, I think, I think some of the games to look out for, obviously Clemson, you want to see the number one team. Uh, I think that another one is, is Duke and Notre Dame. Uh, you know, you, you basically don't see Notre Dame. This is, this is the first ever time you'll see Notre Dame play in conference. And, right. uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about Duke and, and kind of seeing like, Oh, maybe they, maybe they can try to make a run at, at, um, I don't know about competing with Clemson, but competing for maybe that number two spot or something like that. So that'll be one I'd want to watch. Um, you know, North Carolina and at Syracuse or Syracuse at North Carolina is going to be another one. That's probably, you know, North Carolina, another kind of highly touted team. And yeah, people are kind of hyping them up for this year. Yeah, Sam Howell played really well as a freshman last year as a quarterback and they're looking to kind of take the next step. So yeah, Mac Brown's turned him around. Mac Brown. Yeah. So, um, I, I I'm excited. I think that, uh, it's just good to, it's good to get back. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we're already there. Just kind of count down the days. Do we have any Thursday games this, this week? No, there was a couple. Oh no, there is. Yeah. Miami plays UAB on Thursday. So I okay, uh, get to see the Canes. They're kind of stud D lineman Greg Russo opted out, which is unfortunate, but you see, this is the debut of Derek King. Yeah. Um, so oh, from here, yeah. From Houston, the transfer. And then I, Friday, it looks like we got S. Oh, that's been postponed. Yeah, never mind. SMU TCU was supposed to be Friday, but it's been postponed. Why is it postponed? Yeah, and then hurricane-related stuff, maybe. I don't know. Uh, another thing to kind of take away that we didn't mention from this past week is, as far as I know, there hasn't been any disastrous COVID reports from Week One of football. Um, and Tommy looks like he was about to say something, but. Uh, yeah, that if not not much has happened, then that's good signs to to move on. We're not slammed shut immediately. Well, least. Austin P played two teams already, and they're fine. So, like you know, they played more games than anybody else. It sounds like they got a blueprint program over there. Might might be. <laughs> just follow what they're doing. Uh, but um, just to keep it moving right along, uh, I mean, I'm I think I'll definitely watch something. I'll have some time on Saturday since the holidays are over and I got most of my, uh, my chores done. So I have some time to watch some football. And even if it is Oklahoma versus, I don't know, whoever it is, Tulsa, uh, East Norman state. I, I don't, you know, I don't care. Cause every once in a while, you know, it's like, I'm excited about that three thirty LSU game or that six thirty LSU game. But you know, there's games on at noon. Sometimes hey. it's Oklahoma versus one of these guys. And I'll, I'll check it out. Just and we got to ease our way into it. You know, yeah. you can't you can't come in here and just throw me uh Florida at Georgia week one. Like right. let's let's you know, let it simmer, get into this. You know, I, I know for a fact I'm not I'm not in playing shape right now as far as game day protocols go. You right. know, I'm I need to I need to work my way in and, and and kind of figure out how how I navigate these game days just like the players do. So, you know, we'll we'll work at it, we'll get into playing shape, and then by the time we get to SEC play in two weeks or two and a half weeks, you know, I think, I think uh, everyone involved will be, will be ready for this new season. Amen. Um, and so in doing with that, I uh, just wanted to uh, catch you up on any recruiting news that, that came about uh, because, because there was some. Uh, so for that, just wanted to toss it to Daniel for his, uh, his recruiting roundup. Uh, so Daniel, tell us, uh, Tell us what transpired in this this past week. Thanks, Scott. So the big events over the weekend in LSU country, I think there was a name for it. They called it like the Tiger Meetup or something. But LSU 2021 quarterback commit Garrett Nussmeyer organized a big old coalition of prospects, both who have already committed to LSU and are interested in committing to LSU. And they all came to Baton Rouge over the weekend on their own dime because it's, they've NCAA has extended the dead period, so they can't have any official contact with LSU, but they wanted to come down to Baton Rouge, check it out over the long weekend, meet, meet with each other, obviously, uh, good forming that bond already, and just seeing what Baton Rouge has to offer. So I'm just going to kind of run through the names here a little bit. There's going to be a lot. Uh, but for the people who have already committed in the 2021 class, Garrett Nussmeyer, who I mentioned, Rajon Davis, Chris Hilton, 
Jojo Earl, Landon Jackson, Naquan Brown, and Keanu Cote. And then the prospects, so this is what most people would be interested in, uh, five-star Corey Foreman, who's in some lists the number one player in the country, uh, five-star Mason Smith, five-star Sage Ryan, five-star Tristan Lee, four-star Brian Thomas, four-star Savion Bird, and four-star Michael Trigg. So if you look at any one of those players' Instagram profiles or Twitters, you'll see them all posted up in front of Mike the Tiger's Habitat and stuff, all just kind of hanging out in LSU LSU gear. So it was really cool to see that. And it uh, kind of reflects well in the program that somebody is – all these players are willing to kind of pay their own way and are so interested in LSU that they want to do that and meet with each other. And it's, you know, it's kind of, it's good to see also that a player who, uh, you know, plays a leadership position like quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer is kind of taking the initiative to be his own recruiter. Um, you know, Elias Ricks did it last year and uh, Cardell Thomas did it last year where they were, you know, once yep. they were committed, it was it wasn't about oh, what can I get out of me? Like oh, my, I'm going to open my recruitment and try to find you know better better deal for myself. It was what can I find? Who can I bring in to help this program? Who can I, you know, how can I help the program that I'm not even a part of yet? So um, I thought it was really cool. I don't think you see too much of that. Like I, I, I mean, I, obviously you see people take unofficial visits and like maybe maybe two people go together or something like that. But to have one player kind of bring everybody in together, mm-hmm. it's kind of a special thing. Yeah, you see it something similar occasionally, like for big home game days, like LSU Alabama. That'll be the one day they try and get like all the recruits in town to see that. Like we had that last year for the Florida game. But I that's think. usually like an official. Thing. Yeah, yeah, but that's when they they show them all the facilities and stuff. You don't really see the guys just kind of roll in uh, on the road. Yeah, just to to see what's up. Um, so I think that's a good sign for the program at least. And I think that also the, it's a little bit of like a, some signs of life as far as Corey Foreman goes, because uh, some people, especially like in the recruiting threads and on tiger droppings and all that have been a little bit, um, a little bit down on his, his potential to go to LSU. You know, some people are thinking, Oh, he's a, he's a done deal to, uh, to USC or Bama yeah. or, you know, wherever, but basically just not LSU, but for him to come and, and, you know, show up with everybody. I, I think that's, uh, you know, some signs of life. Yes. On his own dime. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's, that's, I don't know. That says more to me than, uh, you know, just posting a tiger emoji or something. It's just nobody, like you said, nobody does that. Uh, and there has been a really good trend lately of uh, committed players just going out and recruiting other people because they know that if someone else is that excited, cause you know, they, they, I'm sure they all talk to each other, right? Like they go to these camps, they go to like these elite 11s, whatever it is. Uh, they they go and they talk, and they're probably some of them are on the same recruiting trips. If you know if they're from different states, strike up a bond and like, hey man, if you're still undecided, I got to tell you, this is a place to be. Yeah, and it yeah. definitely helps to have a national championship uh, wave behind you. But um, well, that wasn't all that happens either, uh, right, Daniel? There was also a. Uh, Tigers had a little bit of good transfer news. Yeah, so this is pretty breaking at this point, Monday or Tuesday evening, excuse me. Uh, so we got a graduate transfer, Darren Evans, a cornerback from Nickel State uh, here in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And so he'll be joining the Tigers immediately. He's already enrolled, actually, so he'll be able to play this season. And actually will be able to play next season since uh, he gets an extra year of eligibility if he so desires from the, the COVID rules. But he um, he's from Baton Rouge and was, from what I understand, a standout at the FBS level for Nichols. And that, that'll be good for LSU, shoring up the, the DBs after the, the opt-out of Kerry Vincent. And so we'll get some, uh, some veteran experience there where we really need it. So uh, good to have him back. He actually – he wore 24 for – Nichols, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to take that from Derek Stingley. He might have to change his number, but uh, they can battle it out. Yeah. <laughs> you could just ask him, hey, I know you're uh, you know, a freshman All-American, led the SEC in uh, interceptions, but this is my number, so do you mind? I'm sure, I'm sure he'd give it up. In the, you know, in the NFL, they'd, like, uh, they'd buy it from each other. They, you buy numbers. You ever heard about that? <laughs> yeah, they actually – uh, Leonard Fournette, he'd warden 27, like his whole NFL career. He just took 28 from uh, Tampa Bay. I think, I'm not sure who was already 27, but I guess he, he humbled himself to <laughs> number 28. It's like uh, when, when Mark Ingram came to the Saints, he wore 22 at, um, at Alabama. 
and he wanted 22, but Tracy Porter was still there from the Super Bowl team. And he either wouldn't give it to him or, or something, or he, or the price was too high. You know, it was like, sometimes these players will sell their, you know, it's like, Oh, if you want my numbers, you know, 20 grand or 30 grand, something like that. So that's why Ingram ended up going with 28 until he changed it. I think, I think he ended up being 22 when he, when, when uh, Porter left, but anyways, so yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, good. I mean, good news for LSU, especially with a, a defensive back, uh, uh, it's kind of defensive back core that's kind of lost some experience with Grant Delpit leaving. And then of course, Kerry Vincent and uh, Kerry Vincent opting out and then Christian Fulton leaving as, uh, as well for the draft. So um, even though I wouldn't say that we, you know, it's not like we needed that talent. We needed him because we're out of talent or because we were had a big hole to fill. Um, but I'm glad we've got some, got somebody who's played a lot of college football under their belt because that's kind of the one thing that we talked about on this podcast so far is we're going to be starting so many new people, so many freshmen, so many sophomores who really didn't get a lot of playing time last year. And their, their first game isn't going to be against UTSA or, you know, tech or Northwestern or ULM. It's going to be against Mississippi state. And then three weeks into the season, they're going to be playing Florida or four weeks into the season. So, um, you know, I don't know what I don't know how the how the cornerback and defensive back situation will shake out. I don't, I you know I don't know if Dar- if Darren is going to uh, get some playing time like right away and be a starter, but I like that he's you know been he's got a lot of experience at the collegiate level. Yeah, definitely. And Coach Oak kind of uh, you know he gave a kind of just a press conference uh, yesterday. Right, no, it was today, actually. I'm sorry. He gave a press conference today and just kind of was talking about, you know, things like that, depth issues, you know, because, uh, you know, definitely Derek Stingley's coming back, but, you know, we got to replace, you know, Kerry Vincent. And, uh, you know, De- Elias Riggs, he didn't say he would be a starter, but he, he said he, he could be a starter eventually, but he would definitely see a lot of playing time. Uh, and Coach also said Todd Harris is – Coming back from his, uh, you know, his off-season surgery from his injury, but he's not quite a hundred percent. So, you know, there are going to be some, some, uh, some holes to fill. I don't know. I mean, LSU has definitely been one team, though. That if there is a freshman talented enough, you know, like Derek Stingley, they will start. Oh yeah, uh, it's just a matter of you know what happens in the rest of this this training camp. But um, uh, but yeah, like I said, I, Oh had a press conference in. Um, but he didn't say he was happy with the safety spots. Um, obviously, Derek Stingley's not going anywhere. Elias Ricks, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to use that to motivate who who was uh, kind of an upperclassman to kind of step up. But uh, I think he you know he would go with whoever's best. But you know he's uh, he's happy with the safety. He's got Todd Harris, Jacoby Stevens, Maurice Hampton, who we all love, um, and. Uh, I don't know. He said he was uh, he was excited about Jordan Tolls and what, what he had to bring to the table. Also, uh, he what I thought was interesting though. He, I mean, he gave you know obviously updates on all the groups, position groups. Uh, you know, he talks about Miles Brennan for a little bit, uh, but he said a few things about LSU's running back core. Um, you know, because I guess John Emery had some ball security issues last year, but I guess he's been working on that and. O called him like an every down back, which, you know, he hadn't really said before, obviously, because there's been people ahead of him too. Uh, he didn't have to step into that role because we had Clyde Edwards Alaire who's gone. He said, John Emery, Chris Curry, and Tyron Davis. Uh, those guys are all, I guess, the starters. There's no deviation. There's not one, two, and three. They're just, they're going to start and whoever's hot, I guess that's who's going to get the ball. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, if there was one thing going in the next season that's that wasn't as obvious, you know, like, oh, what do you do about Joe Burrow? What do you do about the receivers? To me, it was the running back uh, core because let's say the passing game isn't quite as prolific as it was last year. Um, you know, it's going to rely on the running backs who, you know, none of these guys were starters. So with these three guys and with what Coach O has said, seems to be that the LSU could just carry on his tradition of having really good backs people you didn't hear about one year, but then the next year, boom, now they're talking about being as like maybe a first round draft draft pick, maybe a second round. So 
ah, that's kind of promising to me. Uh, what do you guys, I don't know, we can start with you, Tommy. What do you guys, what do you think about, uh, you know, what Coach O said and with the, with the running back core and like how it's going to look coming up this first game? Well, and, and, you know, you mentioned the, the top three backs who we all know and we all, you know, are excited about. But Coach O has also said uh, recently that he, they're all really excited about uh, Trey Bradford. And oh, yeah. that he's, he's a standout as well and that he's really doing a lot of uh, good things in practice. So, you know, you've got three solid running backs with a fourth freshman who you never know, like maybe he comes out and, and ends up being a, a standout in, in a certain game. You know, you feel, it feels good that we have a, you know, we got three that, he, that Coach O is definitely excited about and can rely on. And then that takes the pressure off of a young guy like Bradford who can come, who can come in and kind of do, you know, oh, this is my chance. Okay, let's do this. I'll, let me see what I can do. And then, it, But he doesn't have to carry the whole game. Um, but I think you're right. Like this is, I think this is going to be a, an interesting year for our running backs because I, I, I think this is one of the first years in a while that we have not one, you know, one dedicated every down back, but we've got right. three that are kind of interchangeable. Of course, they all bring different things to the table. Emery's more of the speedster. Davis Price is, is you know, probably more of a power back. And then Curry can kind of do it all a little bit smaller. Um, but I think that, I, you know, I think this is a, a really interesting thing. And I want to see, see how the new offense can utilize three really good backs. Because, you know, last year it was Clyde and it was Joe. And it was Joe's arm, and it was Clyde out of the backfield. Clyde on, you know, uh, at, at uh, split out wide. Clyde in motion, that kind of stuff. Um, you're right. Like I don't know. I, I have high hopes for Miles, and I think he's going to probably do a, a, a decent job. But he's not going to be Joe Burrow, probably. You know, maybe, uh, maybe he will, but probably not. And so I would like to see a little bit more running back action, especially when you got three really, really good backs. Um, so I'm interested to see what they can do and, and maybe how they can, you know, kind of morph the really, really high octane spread air raid type offense with three solid weapons at the running back position. Yeah, those are really good points. I think if I had to guess right now for the first game against Mississippi state, we'll probably see a little bit more Chris Curry is kind of the elder statesman, uh, who led us towards the end of the season. So if you, but then definitely the other guys as well. So you can see some sort of a breakdown, like 10 carries for Curry and then maybe five apiece for John Emery and Ty Davis price. And then obviously it'll adjust a little bit, depending on how many carries they get total. And then that'll give O and the rest of the offensive personnel a baseline to kind of push forward and evolve as they get into the, the heart of the schedule. But that may be something to, to go for right at the beginning. And we've actually, this isn't something super new to LSU because we're used to having that one kind of bell cow running back, but we had a little bit similar situation kind of in the early 2010s with like Michael Ford, Alfred Blue, Spencer oh, Ware. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking the exact same thing. When like, they would this have, reminds me of They me. would have three or four guys who could like, uh, Kenny Hillier, that was when Jeremy Hill was first starting getting the mix. When you could pass it to basically anybody on the depth chart and they would take a plunge in uh, and that keeps everybody fresh and gives you different looks. And you're, and you're constantly rotating them in and out, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a really cool thing to see. And, you know, I think that that this is, we're kind of almost getting back to the LSU and coach O calls it this, the LSU standard performance. When you get, when you talk about running backs, because I almost think that, you know, of course, Leonard Fournette um, and uh, the running back who will be not be named after Leonard Fournette, um, he uh he was you know they were they were the, the extremely talented like if you're gonna give it to somebody you're giving it to that guy like you're not gonna bell you're cow. not gonna yeah the bell cow exactly like what daniel said um and and he couldn't really make it you know you couldn't you can't say like oh well let's give it to somebody else you're gonna give it to leonard every ta- every down because you never knew he would he'd run off and tear tear off a you know a 50 yard touchdown at any moment but like Daniel said, you know, I really, really liked when we had multiple running backs who were all good and that that were just constantly in the mix. And so I almost feel like this is kind of cool to see. It's like we're kind of going full circle back to the way it, way it was in, in, you know, 2002, 2011 era. Yeah, exactly. Because And then you kind of took uh, – <laughs> you kind of took the words out of my mouth, time because that's what I was going to say is, uh, you know, with um, – we had Clyde for two years – 
we had, I forget what his name was right before Clyde. I, Nick Brissett? No, no, his name escapes. Well, I, you know, the guy I'm not supposed to mention. Oh. Uh, but then before <laughs> that, it was, uh, it was Leonard Fournette. And then you, if you think about it, though, if you go all the way back to that, you know, that 20, 2011 season when they went undefeated, you know, they, they didn't have somebody then, you know, they, they, they didn't even really have a solid starting quarterback. I mean, they had Justin Jefferson, but he was, you know, like suspended or something. Jerry Lee took over, then Jefferson took back over, then they split time, but it's like, they didn't really have like that one guy at running back. That was totally by committee. I don't even know how they made it through that season undefeated with the, you know, with no like real designated starting running back, but they had, you know, Spencer Ware and Michael Ford. Uh, there were other guys there too that kind of helped, but it was like a, it was like a tandem. Um, and it, it worked out fine. So I, I, and it's funny, you said to, uh, coach O going back to traditional thing to me, it's like, I know they're not going to take a step back offensively, at least with their mindset, but I, I think they are going to use somewhat more traditional, uh, you know, what we thought would be LSU offensive ploys with, you know, more use of the running backs and a tight end. Now that they have Eric Gilbert, who coach mm-hmm. O is called phenomenal, by the way, uh, with what he's seen so far. Because uh, they had a scrimmage Saturday. Of course, they don't release individual stats, but he said the offense looked really good. Sort of the defense, but um, you know, the offense I think is what we're more concerned about you know, after after last season. But uh, I don't know. I, I I kind of I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of eager to see what the what the running backs do. Hopefully, they all are just you know can secure the ball and run the play. I think it'll look uh, you know it'll be from a spread though, but they'll have more running backs and. Uh, tight end use than they did last year I think I think that I think that we'll probably and this is something that coach O has said multiple times from before last season during last season during the offseason this year um, I think we're going to see the progression of and get to the point that coach O wants which is he wants to be running as close to a pro style offense as possible and I don't mean pro and and that you know pro like the actual like formation people call it like pro pro style offense formation, but like the like what are the what are they doing in the NFL right now? And you know like with what the Saints do, with what Tampa Bay is probably going to do with now that they have you know two running back two good running backs and a bunch of talented receivers, kind of kind of like what uh, you know New England kind of does or did with with Tom Brady, the same stuff or a lot also like what Dallas does with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, I think you're going to see, you know, spread type formations, but probably more of a traditional, like you said, with the tight end and the running back, you know, hand off the ball, kind of work the work it around and then try to maybe go play action. Whereas last year when you had, when, when they kind of figured out like, uh, or I, I mean, they kind of knew before when you, when you got Joe, it's just Joe, Joe, Joe. Um, so I'm interested to see that. And I think that, you know, this is something coach O's wanted and that's the reason he hired Scott Linehan is he, is that um, he was bringing new things to the table that, that, that they hadn't even done before. And so I almost feel like this is going to be an, almost an elevation, adding more and more wrinkles that make uh, our offense even more NFL, you know, NFL light. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah, Coach O pointed that specifically. He said he uh, Linehan, Linehan, I don't know, Linehan. He he brought a few new wrinkles, but particularly with third down, red zone, and, and tight end stuff, because uh, you know those two's offense was great. It just kind of got a little, a little weird in the red zone sometimes the last few years. But um, I don't know. He had some you know some interesting words about Miles Brennan. Uh, I mean, I feel like they trust him. He's he's their starter. That's Coach O hasn't really wavered on that he just feels like his command of the offense pocket presence uh maybe you know making quick decisions stuff that we are as lsu fans had been used to before joe burrow uh but you know i think that stuff just comes with experience you know miles you know it's nothing against him he just hasn't had that starting experience yet he's definitely going to get it this fall but i like i said i've i think we're uh we're fortunate to have you know, not having to start the season off with Auburn, Florida, or Alabama, somebody like that. You know, all you know, all Auburn and Florida, especially since they've already had, you know, they already have their starting quarterbacks. They've had them last year, so um, I think Miles is uh, he's set up for success. 
I think he, I think he will do well. You know, it's just a measure of you know what else comes out of the gate with with these new uh, new additions with Scott Linehan, um, and you know what they res- reserved from last year, obviously. Now that Joe Brady's gone, but uh, O did announce what he thought were the current wide receiver and tight end starters. Um, Terrace Marshall now being number one. You know, Jamar Chase is gone, obviously. Uh, Justin Jefferson definitely gone, obviously. Uh, and then Racy McMath and rounding out the top three was actually uh, Kayshawn Booty. And obviously Eric Gilbert is a, is a tight end starter as a freshman. So, you know, there you have it. We, we thought it was kind of weird that, you know, they would name him as a preseason All-American. But uh, I don't know, the, guys, uh, the guy just appears to be all-world. And uh, I don't know, I think that'll be the difference, you know. It's like there hasn't really – I don't know if there's been a, a tight end in college football that had that, like, Gronkowski-level impact, you know, or – or maybe even Jimmy Graham level impact, uh, you know, because I don't even know if a college offense would function that way. But I mean, there just seems to be a lot of hype about this guy. So I'm really excited to see how they, you know, they work it all in. Because you know, like you said, with Linehan coming in, there's going to be some wrinkles that no one's seen yet. They don't have film on it, so I think that plays to our advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're that you're definitely right. That Eric Gilbert is is not going to be your traditional. Uh, Line up as the as the sixth sixth guy on the line puts his, puts his hand in the dirt, you know, blocks for two downs and then runs a little out route. I, I think you're going to see him split out. I think he's going to play like a Calvin Johnson type role where he's just so lengthy and and long and and it'd be very difficult to cover him. Uh, I think you might see him in the slot a little bit and he'll give linebackers or or uh, you know strong safeties a lot of trouble who try to come up and, and play him one on one. I think he's, you know, he's the type of guy who's going to be a, a, a an absolute weapon that LSU, you know, Insbinger and, and Linehan, I hope, will uh, just have a great time using. And then as far as uh, the wide receivers go, it's kind of expected as far, you know, with Terrace Marshall moving up to one and then racing math. But uh, I'm excited about about Kayshawn Butte because that was somebody we were we were excited about when he signed. Um, we're kind of wondering when we would get to see him on the field, especially when you have Jabbar Chase and Terrace Marshall and the and, you know <laughs> on the same team. And we're like, well, I guess we'll see you next year. But yeah. um, shows that you know he's probably he's got that talent that everybody kind of said he did to be able to to make that third spot. And um, yeah, I think it'll be kind of it'll be I'll be excited to see him. Yeah, and then it also obviously the circumstances are a lot different this season, but it communicates to future recruits a sense that. Uh, a lot of coaches promise, oh, if you come to our school, you'll get to play immediately. But here we go. If you're one of the top recruits in the country, you might get to start week one for a premier program. We saw it last year with Derek Stingley, a few other true freshmen before. And then we might be starting three new true freshmen this year. So if you're the best of the best, you come to LSU and you can play and compete in the SEC. So I think that's something that, that players will definitely like to see. Amen. And that that even goes back to, you know, Miles's. The, the less miles days. Uh, I mean, obviously somebody like Tyran Matthews saw the field early and often. I don't know if he was ever a starter uh, outright, but LSU has definitely been that program. Um, yeah. You don't really see that as much at like Alabama or Georgia, where you kind of have to go through the meat grinder and then like your sophomore or junior year, you like start to get on the field and you get like one kind of premier season and that's about it. You know, I, I, yeah, I agree. Although I will say, I do have kind of respect for the way that, that Alabama or like you said, like Georgia does it because it, it you don't see, I, I don't think you hear about that. Like they, they keep the, they keep it in line and it's like, yeah, you're going to come here and you're going to sit for a year and you're going to, you know, if you're, you're Najee Harris, you're going to come and you're going to sit, sit behind our other stud running backs, but then you'll get your time and you'll be an absolute star. Um, I kind of think there is some value in that. And I think that if you set the I, – now, I think Coach O does it the right way. If you're the best, you're going to play. Whoever the, whoever's the best. If he's a freshman, he'll play. If he's a senior, he'll play. Um, but I do think that if you do it the wrong way and, you know, the, the, you know some kid comes in and he's real – he's got all the flash, he's got all the hype, and he's the, the hyped-up player, 
and then he ends up not not really living up to that hype in his freshman year. If you still play him just because you know he says, oh, I'm going to transfer if you don't play me, I think that could that that kind of sets a bad precedent and and you know, then you get a lot of kids who come in, play, don't play, transfer, and it kind of sets you up for for a little bit of failure there. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh then you're just, you know, you know, more it'll pass around. You you don't do that to yourself. Yeah. But um I don't know, you had mentioned uh we were talking about running backs earlier with Leonard Fournette and there's something that popped up. It, re- it reminded me of something I saw and uh, <laughs> cause uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, ultimately ended up signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was also rumored to go to new England, which is, you know, itself interesting. Cause the one team, the two teams he was going to go to, you know, have Tom Brady all over them. Uh, but he ended up going to the Buccaneers, uh, which is, you know, had some LSU players, in the last few years. Uh, but it was something specifically he said, you know, about it now that he's there, that kind of, I don't know, it, it, I guess it could put some people uh, on edge uh, just based, based on what he said, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I just want to get your thoughts on it. Cause he, he said, you know, cause obviously reporters are asking him, you know, so what's it like to play with Tom Brady? And, and he said very matter of factly, for the first time in my life, I really have a quarterback. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. You could take that as a shot at, well, the Jaguars, but he said in his life. So I guess going back through college, even high school, and I'd say, well, yeah, you know, if you, a, a generational talent like that, it's kind of hard. You know, who, who would have a quarterback to match him? Yeah, Certainly not LSU, at least not during those years, but – I don't know, but then people started to say, oh, is he, is he taking shots at former LSU quarterbacks? I didn't really think so, And but honestly, would it wouldn't matter. I mean, if you're Leonard Fournette and that's that's your uh, your impression, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, is, kinda, it, is it out of line or is it just brutal truth? You can kind of say what you want to say. It's not like he had some star in the backfield at LSU. Brandon Harris, who was his quarterback for at least one year at LSU, actually quote tweeted uh, the report about it. And he said, ha ha, at Leonard Fred, I love you too. Uh, <laughs> so you can see that uh, he definitely was made aware of this situation. <laughs> kind of sarcastic remark, which is pretty funny. Uh, but yeah. we'll see if, if Leonard can break on to the next level now that he's kind of like the number two on the depth chart in Tampa Bay. Now, okay, so Leonard came in the uh, fall of 14. I want to say Anthony Jennings was his quarterback to start, and then he lost yeah. the job to Brandon Harris. Yeah. Then Brandon Harris was the quarterback to start that next year. Um, And then he – kind of and he lost the job yeah who did but who was after him was it danny it was danny edling edling when did that come yeah it was towards the end of that year i think uh wasn't edling already there and he like took over and uh i gotta i gotta see this hold on yeah i think that's what happened because that's typically been their thing um but anyway yeah but uh yeah I, i i'm glad Brendan Harris kind of had a sense of humor about it because, you know, what can he say? Um, you know, he was, he was brought in as what the number two dual threat guy, I think in the country. And, you know, it just didn't really translate. You know, it didn't look like all these guys that go to Ohio state or Oklahoma or, or wherever. Um, so I just, I'm going to say that was uh, just, you know, it's brutal truth from Leonard Fournette. Uh, if anyone has a different of opinion than, been stated, but I just don't feel like anyone at LSU or the Jacksonville Jaguars can really dispute that. Uh, did you find that quote? Uh, or the, well, uh, yeah. So in sixteen, Etling was the quarter. Etling was the quarterback to end the season. I'm not sure if he, let's see if he started it though. Yeah, no. Brandon Harris was the quarterback at the beginning of the season. So yeah, Etling came in later, and then I think seventeen, Etling was the quarterback the whole year. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And then 18 would have been Joe's first year. And then 19 would have been the year that we all love. <laughs> the last, well, yeah, uh, the last great season of college football. 
Thanks for the history yeah. lesson. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we've, I think we talked about it on this podcast before, but all, but like we forget immediately. There's like the law, the lost years of LSU football of like basically between, you know, 2015 to 2018. And those three years kind of just blur together. At least they do for me. Oh, I would say 2012 through 2018 kind of blur together. It was, uh, I mean, you had a couple good years with Mettenberger and when Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry were there, they looked great, but yeah, I mean, actually, you're actually right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, it's, it almost feels like one long season to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just a, a weird up and down season, but yeah, different players. Um, but uh, so yeah, that was just something I noticed that I thought was, was interesting, you know, LSU related. But uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys was, um, I guess, you know, there's certain teams that have, you know, conferences that have opted out. Uh, there is a group of Nebraska players that sued the Big Ten to try and figure out how they voted or what they, you know, like who voted and how they voted. Uh, and the Big Ten actually released that. Uh, and, you know, it showed all the schools and who voted. Um, the point I'm getting to is, you know, obviously they voted to not have the season, but Ohio State has not given up. And they are still working to figure out how they can still salvage whatever kind of a football season they could. Um, and, you know, they're hoping to have some games by October. I, I don't really know. I saw that a couple of days ago, and I thought that was interesting, you know, because – Big Ten's not doing it. Obviously, other teams want to play, but Ohio State's really trying to make it happen. They were one of the ones that wanted to have the season. Obviously, Nebraska and Iowa had that, you know, they were part of the vote that wanted to keep it. But Ohio State, um, they wanted to. But I don't know. They're still trying to have a season. So I don't know. I'll start with – I guess I'll start with you, Daniel. It it seems weird that they're still trying to have a season even though their conference is not. And, you know, Notre Dame – who typically what I would think would you know be up for playing a game because they're we're independent, they're now in the ACC, so they have a schedule. So like who like where do you think they're going to get this? Like do you even think it's possible? And or are they just you know are they just trying to fool themselves? Because if there is one fan base in the Big Ten that I think could not do without football this fall, it would be Ohio State. And you know they, I think they're just trying to save that. But I don't know what do you what do you think of them still trying to like find games and, and make a season. I think they just don't want to miss out on the playoff because their chances might be good. Yeah, it's a reasonable request because this is looking like their best opportunity in a few years to win the championship since I guess it was the first year of the playoff when they won it with Ezekiel Elliott. But uh, I don't think any, if they said we're going to play by ourselves, no other team would add Ohio State to their schedule <laughs> if they can avoid it. Because basically, you'd have to fill in your bye week with Ohio State, and that sounds like a pretty bad uh, trade off. To I don't me. know. Coach O said he'd play anybody anywhere in the cow pasture at midnight. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I'm not Coach O, so I don't quite have that that level of amazing confidence. <laughs> but if, if the rest of the Big Ten joined in with them, I think they can get the season together quicker than you might think. Uh, because with all the scrambling, like the SEC probably could have already been playing if we really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they threw the schedule together and like teams are ready to roll. And obviously other teams are playing right now. It's not like the players have just been kind of laying around most likely. So, right. but, it, but it would take a, a bigger coalition to really get them a schedule, whether that's six big 10 teams or eight or 12 or the whole, I guess they got 14 in the league. Probably it's 12. Maybe it's with 12 teams. Yeah. Maybe it's 12, but if it's the whole crew or just a, a fraction, but I don't think at this point you can really just have one team kind of go rogue and defect to the college football uh seen at large maybe ohio state can just scrimmage themselves for for 10 games yeah some might say their their second string is better than all the rest of the teams yeah. so <laughs> they played themselves in the national championship i i think that if i i, I makes me mad because you know the big big 10 first ones to just be like no we're not playing it's not happening and now they're getting a little bit uh a little bit upset that they're that their buddies like whoops oh no like they are playing well we want to play too it's like i kind of feel like i mean you can't i'm i'm not going to say that that we should just force them not to play but it's almost like you made your bed you got to lie in it and if they expect 
to play basically half a season. You know, they come in in October and they play, we'll say, six games or, you know, or eight games or whatever. They play almost half a season or three-quarter of a season. I don't think that should count the same way as, you know, LSU and, and company or ACC and company or Big 12 playing 10 games. And, you know, I, I hope it doesn't. I hope that the uh, the committee takes that into account. Although if Ohio State runs the table against <laughs> whatever their competition is, if, if Ohio State ran the table against themselves and went undefeated in their scrimmages, they'd make the playoff. So, you know, that's how it is. But um, I want to see Ohio State play. I want to see Justin Fields again. Um, but I wish that it was under different circumstances because I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty bad that, they're going to do this whole thing and make a big scene about we're not playing. We're doing the right thing. We voted. And then now they're going to come in and be like, Oh wait, now we want to play. Yeah. I think the, the most likely scenarios. Oh, I think the big 10 is going to cave and and let them play. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to happen. Uh, I was going to say the most likely scenarios. One, they just delayed till January, kind of like they had planned initially Two is they get everybody back in line. Like you were saying, and they start with like a 10, 10 week schedule starting like first week of October and then the third and probably least likely situation is that there's probably like six teams that go rogue, make their own coalition. They play like a 10 game schedule with a home and home for against like every other team. I think, I think that now like, okay, so I saw an interview with uh, the commissioner of the big, the PAC 12 and even and and the PAC 12 is like the most, like we're not playing league of all conference of all. And he was talking about how they have these rapid fire tests or something. And, you know, if we can get them in, we can implement them. We sh- they should be implemented by the end of this month, and that could that could lead to a theoretical start in November. And I'm like, okay, well, if the Pac-12 is talking about like these theoretical starts, like I feel like the Big Ten might actually be. They, the, I think the Big Ten needs it more and wants it more, so I could see them going quick, you know, starting quicker. So I could see, so that falls right in line with the rumors of the August, I mean, the October start, and so I I kind of see it happening. Um, I just I don't know. I hope that come come committee time, I hope that the Big Ten uh, doesn't get any any extra credit for for playing for starting late and playing half a season. I don't think they no they wouldn't because uh, the committee would take that into effect. But I just I don't I don't think they they can. I mean, what was it? It was less than a month ago. It was you know where the they said Ohio State wasn't seeking to play, but it's like just just this past Tuesday. Their president, uh, her name is Christina Johnson, said that you know she voted against the decision to postpone the season, uh, and she says they still want to play this fall. They want to make sure they're safe, so we're doing our work, and we'll come back, and we're hopeful that we'll be playing football this fall. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen in September. It could start in October, but again, it's like again it's like if uh you know all these teams that are already in their conferences and already playing and have their schedule allotted let's say there's five rogue teams out there that want to join ohio state and they can only come up with a six team you know schedule i don't see how the committee puts them in maybe they you know if ohio state goes five and oh maybe they do just because it's ohio state but i think that's just completely wrong oh yeah it's just a disservice to, to all the other teams that, <laughs> that took the and chance and yeah. said, no, we're going to, you know what? We're going to try, you know, big 10 said, uh, we're just going to go home. We're, we're, you know, screw uh, cut. And they cut their <laughs> nose off and, uh, and everybody else said, you know what? No, we're going to work. This is, this is America. We're playing football in the fall. And, uh, and I think, I think they should, there should be punishment for it. I think you should, I think they should take the Big Ten commissioner and, you know, put him in the stocks and throw tomatoes at it or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds medieval, but yes. <laughs> Torturous. <laughs> I, think that, I think that that should be um, – that that should be the, like the, pre, the pre-Heisman ceremony. Like you, you put that out in Times Square and you watch shaming. that. Yeah, the public shaming of the Big Ten. Although, I mean, there was kind of a public shaming of the Big 12 in the Peach Bowl last year. So it's only Ooh. right that we publicly shame another conference. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Uh, but they were shamed what, when Alabama beat Michigan State 31 to nothing. That was a ago. public shaming, yeah. That was a public shaming as well. Some would say that, that, that 
uh, it was a public shaming of Ohio State against Clemson, but not really Ohio State's fault, but more so because they were robbed. <laughs> that was just a shame. <laughs> Boo-hoo. That's all I can say. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, any other thoughts or anything this week that, that you wanted to toss out there? Um, not too much. They're expecting to hopefully have the announcement for the stadium capacity maybe this upcoming Saturday. So by the time we swing back around for next episode, fingers crossed, we'll have some estimate and hopefully I will have some tickets in hand ready to rock. True. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited about that. Um, I, you know, another thing I'm excited about would be watching Appalachian state, one of my favorite teams to, uh, to watch as they now come into the, to the, uh, to division one. They're always a good team to, to uh, lay a few, lay a few wagers on if you're into that. So they're playing, I believe, Charlotte today this week. So gonna watch my Mountaineers. And uh, you know, they're always pretty good against the spread. So that's cool. Yeah. If you're into that sort of thing. If that's your thing, then <laughs> yeah. take a look at the Mountaineers. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I saw uh John Bell Edwards he he was asked about that and he's he's looking at like a twenty-five percent stadium capacity which is pretty much along with what the other teams in the SEC are doing. Uh, so, you know, 25% of a hundred and blank thousand, you know, whatever LSU's actual capacity is. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're looking at like probably 25,000 or so in Tiger Stadium. Plenty of elbow room, um, probably plenty of parking space. It'll still be interesting to see if people just come out in droves to tailgate or if they, if they just stay home, right? Yeah, I mean, there's usually more people tailgating that actually go into the stadium, but I don't know. I feel like if they feel like the tailgate game is going to be down, then they may just stay home also. Does that seem fair? Well, you know, they say that they say that like something like 75% of season ticket holders, was that right? 75% or uh, a large amount of season ticket holders just said, you know what? Well, like we don't want tickets. I feel like that means they're probably going to be a lot less people coming in in general yeah um because if the people aren't obviously people come just for the tailgating but especially for the old but the older crowd like if you're coming to tailgate you're probably going to want to go to the game, game so, yeah. so and they haven't quite said what the uh the consequences are going to be if you if you get caught um hanging around with no mask on within your big crowd oh, so Lord. If, if they come out and be like if you're out there tailgating you will be fine i was i was walking 50 around. bucks or whatever then We'll have to find out what what that is. I was on campus today, walking out of a building, and I walk out of the building. The beautiful fresh air. So it starts. It's starting to feel a little bit like fall. Like it's not too terribly hot. Now it was it was pretty hot later on in the afternoon, but at this point it was nice and cool. I walk out of the building. I'm minding my own business. No one in sight. Just pull my mask off because you know what? I was in the building. I had my mask on. Now I'm out in the middle of the great wide. You know the great blue yonder. I take my mask off. And this girl walks by with her mask on and I just waved and said, Hey, how are you? And she, she gave me the dirtiest look <laughs> and she had seen, like I walked out of the building and pulled the mask off. Cause I'm like, yeah. And I think that technically there's some sort of LSU rule where it's like any part of campus, you must wear a mask, but it's like, I'm not wearing a mask in the middle of the world. You know, like if this right. is outside, like if, it's, if they the say quad, that's the safest place. That's stupid. If the quad is empty, uh, it's like, who are you protecting at that point? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, maybe she just had a maybe she had a bad experience, Tommy, and some anti-masker. Who knows? Uh, oh, maybe so. it's not you. It's not you. It's not me. I said, I said, hey, uh, you know, I waved. I'm trying <laughs> to be nice, trying to just you know say hello to my fellow to my fellow student, and uh, she did not. She did not agree. Uh, you know, comply. Right. Oh well. Well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I guess that's just the times we're in. Hopefully, they will improve. Hopefully, they will improve quickly, uh, especially since, you know, uh, Baton Rouge is going to see, you know, some semblance of football. It's not what they're going to be used to on game days, but it will return. And, oh, my goodness, we're at uh, – well, we're still about two weeks – over two weeks out, but still, it's it's getting close I don't know what the vibe's going to be like in Baton Rouge. You guys can report on that, you know, as we get closer, as it kind of gets to happen. Obviously, it's going to be diminished, but it, uh, you know, Baton Rouge is, you know, known for its game days. So even in 
2020 with the COVID. Hopefully LSU and uh, LSU tailgating, yeah, they can represent in the the best and the safest way possible. But uh, I don't know. I think that might about do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Tune in next week. We'll obviously have some more news for you. Whatever comes down the pipe, down the newswire, we will have it for you. Um, So until then, stay safe and stay tuned. And we'll talk to you next time on Talking Ticks.